Part six of Warrior of Two Worlds by Manly Wade Wellman. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Part six. I struck a pose as I stood there. I hoped that a grim and heroic attitude might give them pause. It's Barak, said an officer at the forefront of the newcomers. Barak, echoed a warrior of Dondromagon. I heard a rattle and clink of weapons. Remember, I made haste to call out, a bullet or ray will tear this place and both forces to bits. I'll perish, and so will every man on either side as far as the explosion reaches. The newcomers were only a trifle mystified, but the Dondromagon party, which knew what was beneath us, wavered. Those in the front rank appeared to give back a little. The newcomers saw this beyond me and made to move forward. Their officer, he who had recognized me, gestured outward with his arms to make some sort of battle formation. "'Rush through,' he said, "'and fight it out in the clear beyond.' "'Come on, if you dare,' blared an officer of Dondromagon. "'Let nobody dare,' I said, "'unless he thinks he can fight his way past me.' The newcomers paused in turn. Barak, said the officer, don't you know us? Don't you know me? I did know him, now that he spoke again. You're Harvison, aren't you? I hailed him. Don't be the first I must kill. I wheeled around. My challenge isn't to the newcomers alone. I said nobody shall pass through. My sword, if not my voice, will stop this war here and now." I heard a laugh, deep and familiar. Jeter had come among his troops. "'That's logic for you,' he mocked me. Barak was always a man of blood. He'll kill us all to stop this slaughter. Somebody finish him." One of his lieutenants spoke to two of the foremost men, who stepped forward, rifles at the ready. If they shoot, began Doriza tremulously. If they do, they destroy everyone, I reminded yet again. Come who dares, swords if you will, but no fire. The officer who had given the order stepped between the two soldiers, saber drawn. Ready to rush, he said. My blade, your butts. They approached side by side. Their faces were set, grim. They faltered for only a moment at the entry to the glare field. In that moment I rushed them. They hadn't expected that, three against one. I shouted and hurled myself at the soldier on the left. He made to dodge, and the officer opposed his own saber, but I spun away from it, and before the other soldier knew my mind I was upon him. I could not use the ray in my blade but it drove past his hastily lifted gun-barrel and struck his male shoulder so heavily that he dropped his weapon. Stepping in close I uppercut him with a curved hilt as with a mailed fist. Leaping over his fallen form I was upon the officer. A single twist and I had his saber in my left hand. Two blows sent him staggering back. I parried a blow from the rifle stock of the remaining soldier with my left hand blade while with my right I stabbed him in the side. He too retreated, clutching his wound. I waved my blood-streaming weapons. "'Who next?' I called. 
Harbison made stout reply. "'You're mad, Barak. I know I'm no match for you. Nobody is. But here I come.' He came, and his fellows. They all tried to crowd at once into that narrow corridor and hampered each other. I had a mighty sweep with both my swords, spanning twelve full feet with them, enough for my purpose. At my first parry I turned aside three points at once, disengaged, and got home on poor Harvison through the shoulder. He sank to one knee, and further impeded his friends. I made a sweeping cut with both blades, and despite themselves they gave back. "'This is monotonous,' I taunted them. "'Make it exciting.' "'Rush at his back!' I heard Judder yelling. "'Careful!' Dorisa warned me, and then another voice I knew, deep and stout. "'I won't let them. Yandro or Barak or whoever you are, I'm with you.' Clob! I yelled joyously over my shoulder. "'I should have known I could count on you.' He had rushed, facing about at my very shoulder-blades. I heard the snick of his blade against another weapon. Dorisa again cried a warning to Clob this time, and he scored on his adversary, for he snorted triumphantly. Then the newcomers surged at me again. I could not kill my own people. I strove to wound only. Three staggered back out of the fight, but the others pressed me bravely. Both my swords must be everywhere at once. My breath began to come quickly. My mind floundered here and there for new stratagems. The saving answer came not from my own brain, but from Clob. "'You?' I heard him address a new adversary. "'You want to kill me, truly?' "'Why?' panted the other. "'Why, no, Clob. Why kill—' "'You are my friend,' Clob harangued him. "'Turn here with me, a chance for an end of war. Will you? Won't you?' If not, defend yourself, and I could always fence better." "'I'm with you, Clob,' the other agreed, rather sullenly, and then he stood by Clob. At that moment I beat the biggest of my own adversaries to his knees, and the others stood off. I stole a quick glance around. Clob had been joined by his late opponent, a short but well-knit warrior armed with both sword and rifle. It gave me hope and an inspiration. "'Fools!' I said, pointing my swords. "'You won't trust me when I only want to help you and these other fools who have been fighting you. You can't conquer me, so join me.' "'Why?' That was Harbison, again on his feet, holding a bloody hand to his wound. The query was enough to slow up the others. They listened, and I had time and wit to reply. A handful of rulers with blind ambition caused the war. They're mostly gone. I want peace, a chance to bring both sides together." "'Stop his traitor mouth!' cried someone far back. "'Who's afraid to hear?' I yelled. "'You almost walked into a trap, and I stopped you. These defenders have mined the cavern beyond.' "'He tells the truth, you newcomers,' Clob seconded me. If you can't understand truth and tell it from lies, look out, they come." He meant his own late comrades. Jetter had urged a fresh body at us. "'Quick!' I cried. They heard me tell of their ambush. They want to silence me. Won't anyone help?' "'I will,' 
gurgled Harbison, wounded as he was. He stepped past me, sword in his left hand, and engaged a Dondromagon warrior. Another new bigcomer leaped forward to do likewise. I seized my opportunity. "'Don't move without my order,' I addressed the remainder of Harbison's party, as if they were my allies again. These defenders have the advantage of you in their planted explosives. Then destroy them some other way, growled an under-officer. I whirled toward the Dondromagon front. The attackers fell back. You still scare any man you look at, Barak, said Harbison. He was a little tottery from loss of blood, but game. Well, shall we charge? He managed to grin. I've been trying to keep you from doing that. I groaned. I don't want tragedy here and extermination afterward. Can't this world stand peace? If you can do it, someone said behind me, I give you full authority. I knew him. He was Dr. Thorold, high in the newcomer command. With him were the other leaders, Parkinson and Captain Cross. Danger! I gasped at them. Don't come through here. Doriza, see that they do not— I looked for her. She was not there. "'She slipped away while we fought,' said Glob, first setting the glare-lamp to run. My heart sank. "'Which way did she go? Toward the newcomers or toward Dondromagon?' "'Toward Dondromagon,' he said, and my heart sank the rest of the way. She had decided to betray me, after all. "'Wait here, all,' I commanded, and moved clear of the glare-field move straight toward the host of Dondromagon. Jetter laughed again. I could read his thoughts. He had clenched his own power by judicious murders. Now he thought I was in his hands. Shoot him down, he bade. Let no man shoot, I warned. A pellet flying past me will strike and set off the glare field. It's still swords, and in the open we can use their rays. I flicked on my own. The blade glowed like hot iron. "'Come and fight,' I invited. "'All of you. Or withdraw and explode this trap on me alone.' "'He's tired of life,' snarled Jetter, hidden in the ranks. "'I'm tired of this fighting,' was my reply. "'If I die alone, the newcomer force remains intact. It can move upon you and force you to peace.' Men of Dondromagon, overthrow this coward tyrant Jetter, who defends his pride and power with your bodies. I think they indicated that they knew the truth of that, and Jetter knew it too. At any rate, he moved boldly to re-establish his influence. I'll prove he lies. I hide nowhere. The words fairly rang out. Retreat quickly to the positions behind. Leave me to face him. They fell back quickly and orderly. Of a sudden I found myself in that big cave and Jeller before me, no more than twenty paces distant. He held his ray-saber glowing and ready in his right hand. In his left was some sort of silvery cylinder. He grinned murderously. "'You offer yourself as a sacrifice,' he said, "'and I accept you.' I moved toward him my body in line with the glare-field. "'You overgrown bully swordsman,' he taunted. "'An ounce of my brain can defeat a ton of your big lumpy muscles.' 
Explode the mine, I said. It will take us both. You can't retreat out of both my reach and the explosions. Can't I? He held up his cylinder. Here's the fuse. By remote control it can set off all or any part I select. Understand, before you die, Barak, I'll blow up a small area and you with it, as soon as you set foot where I want." His broad face sniggered. Oh, you played into my hands from the first. You tried to disrupt. You only gave me an excuse to wipe out the rest of that council and take all power for myself. Now I'll kill you. Will you come on? or retreat and die as you flee, or just stand there like a captive statue." I continued my advance upon him. "'You're lying,' I said, but my heart told me that for once he was not. "'Your life is in my hands,' he said. "'You don't know what moment will see your own feet carrying you to your death. Come, pursue me, brave Barak, stupid Barak, let your last thought be this. Your death helps me immeasurably." "'You're lying,' I said again, and he laughed again. "'Reflect. Let your thick skull filter these facts. I shall destroy you. To my followers I will be a hero. Your own newcomers will pause and wonder. I can reorder my defenses and most of the planted mines will remain to check any advance." Forgetting all caution, all planning, I charged him. He turned and ran like Dondrobagon's outer winds. But I had taken no more than half a dozen steps in pursuit, when all the thunders and lightnings of the universe seemed to burst around me. I fell, swiftly and deeply, into black nothingness. I was able to establish which way was up, which down, and that I lay horizontally, as if floating in liquid or upon clouds. My ears hummed a trifle, and a voice spoke. He will be all right. Dr. Thorold! I opened my eyes, and they were blurred. I lifted a hand to them and moaned despite myself. Were you killed, too? I muttered. Killed? Not me. Nobody was killed except that fat pig you met in the cavern. Not enough of him left to make a funeral worthwhile." Thorold looked behind him. Ahoy! Parkinson! Cross! Barak's going to be all right. The other two heads of the newcomer expedition pushed into view and looked down upon me where I lay. "'High time,' grumbled Parkinson. "'They're yelling for him, both sides. Barak, you'll have to drop all your weapons and take up political economy. I greatly fear you'll have a world to run." "'World?' I echoed stupidly. "'What world?' My head cleared a bit. "'Where's Doriza?' "'The fighting's over,' Parkinson soothed me, just as you forced it to be. I'm still trying to decide whether you were an epic hero or an epic idiot there at the crossways of battle, making us all stop or fight you. But your hunch paid off. The entire Council of Dundrobagon is dead, and Doriza, I said again. Somebody named Clob, a sturdy soldierly chap, is taking charge. 
An old sneak named Spar tried to format a counter-rising, but Claude disintegrated him. However, the army of Dondromagon still holds an inner defense, says it doesn't trust us quite. Wants only you to assure it that we mean peace. Feel like getting up, Barak? Dr. Thoral leaned over. You've engineered this yourself, Barak, or maybe you didn't engineer it. Maybe you only bullied it through. So I won't put words in your mouth or thoughts in your head. But tell those deluded people to start by trusting us, and you know that they can. Nobody wanted war less than I. Peacetime endeavor on Dondromagon is quite difficult and exciting enough. Doriza, I said yet again, and then, All right, gentlemen, you won't tell me about her. Maybe you don't dare. But how did I survive? Oh, that? put in Captain Cross. Don't you know? The explosion was set off prematurely to trap and destroy Jeddar. It blew him to atoms. But you were clear of it. You had a bad tumble into the lower chamber. Now I sat up. Never tell me that he bungled it that badly. Jeddar was a tyrant and coward and murderer, but not a bungler. He was to some extent. Is your head clear? Now we can begin to explain." Cross subsided, and Dr. Thorold took up the tale. We sent a spy among them a long time back, a spy that would pretend to be renegading from us. The spy was good, but got a rather visionary idea like your own that peace was better than war between us. "'Practically treason,' opined Parkinson sagely. We might have held a court-martial and an execution, went on Dr. Thorold, but for you. Because you seem to plan out all this Horatius at the bridge coup. And just when we thought it had achieved success, we thought you were failing. And up bobs our ex-spy and sets off the explosion, chimed in Cross. Sets it off to destroy Jeddar and save you. And that left them without a leader to order battle, and they were more than glad to talk peace. What, I growled, has all this to do with Doriza? Why, grinned Dr. Thorold, they're yelling for her, too, to lead in the final peace talks, because, you see, she was our spy, our pseudo-renegade who set off the explosion. Doriza came forward to where I had sagged back on the pillows. At sight of her smile, I thought no more of strife and wounds and worries. End of Part 6 End of Warrior of Two Worlds by Manly Wade Wellman This story performed by Phil Chenevere, July 2021